0: Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. My name is Kylie Miller. And today I am joined with Mr. R. L. Frazier, Dennis Burns, and the one and only Mr. James Hendrix. What
1: can we say? <laughs> to have such distinguished guests in here with us—that enough said. Uh huh.
0: <laughs> He's even got a notebook today with him. He's ready to talk. <laughs> well, you ever we're,
1: seen James short of words never no. that's I'm
0: expecting a good debate here so but this is not going to be a debate this oh, that's is, this right be, that's not gonna what debate. we're going to do in the future that's right
1: yeah we're going to have a future debate with him and dollar
0: all right well um let's talk let's talk today we're talking today about cover crops um we're finishing up harvest and I know you want to plant cover crops right now so what is your suggestions
2: well, now is the time that you want to begin planning. Uh, hopefully, you know, back in July, you know, you made your plans as far as what your next cropping season is going to be, and uh, have made arrangements to purchase seed because seed, in some cases, is pretty short. Mm-hmm. So uh, here at the research stations, we generally order our seed in July and have it uh, shipped here either late August or early September. But September the 1st is basically the starting point for planting cereals, uh, September 15th, generally for lagoon cover crops. Um, one of the things that you've you know you've got to take in mind is when you're planting a cover crop. Uh, you know, there's a lot of programs that the government is uh, providing for producers to be incentives, Both, most of that's based on soil health. And, um, a lot of people have bought into it from that standpoint, but we've run into some issues with some producers because and uh, because it, it, they failed or they think that they failed, but a lot of the times what we find out is basically a management decision from the start point. And so, you know, the first thing you need to do is why are you planting the cover crops? You know, what's your purpose of planting them? Uh, there's a lot of objectives. I, I, I will say that You know, planting versus not planting cover crops, planting cover crop outweighs the benefits as far as future production that we're going to be required to do in the United States and in the world, to feed the world. But uh, whether you plant them as a nitrogen source, nitrogen scavengers, if you want them for erosion control, um, some people do plant them for uh, topsoil or subsoil looseners, or or basically subsoil. A lot of interest right now in weed suppression. Uh, You know, we talk about weed eradication. The cover crop's not gonna do that. You know, it's all it is. It's a tool to be used with chemicals to be able to go in there and manage weeds in the cash crops that you're growing. Uh, Some of the biggest things is recycling your nutrients, um, basically, and uh, being able to, uh, a lot of the soluble nutrients that we have, like potassium, uh, Phosphorus on a small standpoint and nitrogen on a large standpoint uh, can be recycled because a lot of these will leach and go down into the soil profile. This way you can take these cover crops and the roots will actually keep them above ground in biomass form and then re-release them when you terminate the cover crop, where your root zone is going to be for your cash crop. Uh, water quality is a big issue. Uh, of course, everybody hears about the water quality issues we have throughout the United States and we got to do a better job of being able to keep our soil on our on our properties um, all the nutrients the, the issues we have with algal blooms and with some uh, microcystins and uh, issues that we're running in with some surface waters and even groundwater is caused by uh, either erosion uh, because they're attached to the soil particles or by either leaching as far as groundwater so that's you know that's pretty much it other than grazing of course a lot of producers if they do have cattle they can graze the cover crops and that's is that common around hit. here do you see that uh, awesome we're seeing an increase in it with people with cattle production they are we we're
1: seeing some
2: we're getting a lot of calls let's
0: go gotcha. gotcha.
1: i gotta ask this question now sure. if we're grazing cattle on a cover crop aren't you adding to the compaction that you're trying to eliminate with the cover crop well,
2: getting back is the objective getting back to the objective of why you're planting the cover crop. If you're planting it and if you're managing uh, the grazing on that, actually you can relieve a lot of that compaction. You know, grazing at a certain time, strip grazing or whatever. But like okay. I say, it all goes back to the original objective. If I, had livestock, if I had livestock and I was planning on grazing it, then I would have a management system that would allow that to minimize soil okay. compaction. Uh, the other thing is wildlife habitat course that's a big thing this time of year is wildlife habitat people plan cover crop for them we get a lot of calls Dennis gets a lot of calls related to that and so you know that's one of the things
0: what particular
2: animals? Uh, deer yeah. we have quail we actually seen quail back here on the research station now I've seen them which is new mm-hmm. I've been seeing uh, it. pretty much ducks any mm-hmm. any wildlife that we have you know we're in Louisiana we're sportsman paradise so basically all the game animals mm-hmm. Uh, birds and all of that basically
1: can utilize cover crops. Okay, James, I got a question. <clears throat> okay, cover crops, soil health, your, whatever you're picking you for, how does that tie in with landlords and because there is supposedly or is there a yield drag with cover crops and if you're on, you know, as a landlord, does that, how does the landlord feel, figure into this? If the producer wants to plant cover crops, for a purpose and there's a yield drag does that, in, and that influence the landlord how do they how do they figure into this
2: well if i was a landlord and then talking to a lot of landlords that i actually talked to regarding that uh they're really interested in being able to hand their land over their successful generations mm-hmm. as a productive soil. and uh you know when you go and you plant cover crops have we seen yield drags in some instances yes but guess what we've seen yield drags when we hadn't had cover crops also because of other environmental concerns so there's so many factors that can involve a yield drag that if you plant a cover crop and say well my yield drag is caused by the cover crop that may or that may not be true over a period of time, we're seeing here where we have planted on this research station. We have eight years of either conventional or no-till crops up here. Now we're seeing some of this minimum tillage or conservation tillage that has cover crops on it. It's actually outproducing a lot of the conventional tillage So That
0: would be the theory, that would right. be, yeah.
2: Well, and then if you look at it from the standpoint of uh, uh, the producer standpoint, if they're renting land from a, uh, from a, a landowner and they have irrigation on their farm, then uh, they're going to reduce their costs, or they have the ability to reduce their costs because of water conservation. And we know that the cover crops here on the station, a lot of the the trials that we have in demonstrations and research plots are not irrigated, and the yields are really outstanding and have been for the last several years because we've been able to manage the cover crops to conserve soil moisture. Of course, this year we had a lot of moisture anyway, but then again, Guess what? We were able to go in there and plant before anybody else because we were utilizing these cover crops to absorb this moisture out of the soil so we could get in there and plant with
1: it earlier. A lot of what you said, James, clarify me if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. You're talking about getting in earlier, less water. That's not after one year of cover crops, though, is it? No,
2: no. This is over several years. Yeah, it takes, it's not a
1: one-year fixes everything. No, Mm
2: -hmm. cover crops... Are not something that you're going to utilize, you know, to make a bumper crop next year, and make a lot of money. It is a long-term process that you want to build your soil to be to maintain productivity, and that's what it's all about. Uh, like I say, some of the work that we've done here has been over seven, eight years. That we're seeing some changes, and these changes are continuing. And so we're increasing our organic matter in our soils quite well. And like I say, we've noticed that each and every year in fact even after the first year as far as
1: water conservation we've seen that all right i just wanted to make sure i mean I, I knew where you were coming from i wanted to make sure the audience understood it's not a one year gonna fix it yeah. it's gonna take several years to build if if, if if you're going in, it's my turn. i got a question <laughs> you can't talk all the time i got a question okay the question is the question is does uh, you cannot just plant a cover crop? Throw seed out there. You have to treat it like a crop,
0: that's, just like you,
1: right. the corn, the cotton, beans, whatever you're planting. The where you know we used to level land and use three wheat out there because you had to have a cover crop to cover it because you got you know you're paid cost share. So you had to use three wheat out there, and mm-hmm. then as soon as wheat came up, it killed it. You're treating this as you're growing this as your goals. Yeah,
0: it goes
2: back to your goals. You're going to have to manage cover crops just like you would manage a cash crop. You're going to have to have your consultant take you know constant looks, which they should be anyway, at what the status of these cover crops are, especially when you're planting. After you plant, I mean, because we can have an influx of army worms or other invasive insects or whatnot can come in and. Or, you know, you have got to to make a decision if you're going to try to control them, which is more important to you. And then when you get ready to terminate, I mean, that's going to be a critical decision at that point also. So what I'm saying is, is that it is another crop that you're raising. It's not something that you're throwing out there and saying, okay, as soon as we can get this growing, then we're going to go in and try to terminate it one of the big issues that say uh, people that ask uh, that they run into is is putting cover crops before corn because we plant corn so early late february early march for some of our producers and they say well we can't what kind of cover crop can we actually plant out there that actually you know would perform the way you'd want it we proved that this last year we went out there and planted uh, uh hairy vetch and oats and the reason we did that combination we planted a 80% of the recommended rate of hairy vetch and 20% of, of oats that we planted in there. And the reason behind that was: is number one, we were trying to get the nitrogen from the hairy vetch, and we knew it was going to break down fast when we planted the corn. We planted oats because it, it germinates a lot quicker than any other of our cereals that we have. And so, getting germination and getting some growth started, it gives us some health with competition on some of the winter weeds and whatnot. So, you know. We had an excellent biomass when we got ready to terminate it to plant the corn into it. So uh, it, it will work. The thing is, is if you're planting before corn, you need to be planting now. Which most people would say, especially talking to entomologists, it's a scary time because we're coming off a lot of soybeans that are still green that are turning and a lot of the insects that are there are going to try to find another route or another source of food and so they can hit it so that's what I'm saying is staying on top of it you're going to have to scout these fields you know and to, to meet your objective you're going to have to constantly scout those fields to make sure that you're going to maintain or you, you're going to accomplish your goal.
0: So no tillage straight behind is so that how how would you do it?
2: Both ways I'm, okay. I'm not I don't, I'm not going to endorse one way or the other I, as far as a true no-till I haven't seen any because in louisiana we have wet falls and we're going to root the fields you cannot and what we would say pristinely no-till the only place that i know that's happening is right here on the research station where we have test plots but we have the option since there are small plots to go in there and harvest when we're not tearing it up farmer cannot do that but going with conservation type tillage system if you if you go in now behind corn last year we did not we broadcast this hairy vetch and oats and we targeted it before rain and we got it planted and we got it up and what We about had all it like excellent the volunteer standard. corn volunteer corn is great it's okay. for cover crop i mean you know a lot of people look at it and want to destroy it but understand that it's mining it's mining the excess nitrogen that you have in the soil mm-hmm. that's left over from your because we have a lot of that i mean we just got
0: that it's right it's it's bad it's yeah. great <laughs>
2: I love to see volunteer corn. A lot of people think it's ugly, and they want to go out and disc it up. But if you think about it, it's mining your nutrients and keeping them on top of the ground. First frost, guess what? It's going yeah. to fall to the ground, yeah. and it's going to start being uh, broken down by microbes in the soil. Well, at that time, your oats and your hairy vets have already germinated. So they can take off, and in fact, hairy vets loves this old corn stubble because it'll just grow up it. And it does a good job of suppressing weeds also. We have weed ratings on all of our trials here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can go that route if you want to scratch the ground, re-bed it and, and broadcast it. You know, best thing to do is talk to your county agent. Let them look at the situation because your county agent knows a lot more about your production strategy than like I would or, or you know, my Ma just made. So each county agent, contact them, let them, you know, talk about it or contact us and um i think that that way that you'll be successful with you know with your covers
0: <laughs> well um so getting back on your goals um you know you're talking about um you know the different things you were wanting to do if if like for instance you're talking about um planting corn next year, and you've got that corn coming up. A lot of our guys like to pair till and disc twice, and we can, and you're still saying that we can, after we've gotten our, our groundwork done, that we could still it, possibly go in. It,
2: if you don't wait. Right. That's the problem is, is that, you know, some people are set on conventional tilling, or, or if they have to subsoil, we subsoil also. So if they want to go in there and either rebed or disc and re-bed mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, Their corn stubble that's fine. Okay. I have no big issues with that now There is an, a factor you want to leave enough residue on top of the ground to help the impact of rainfall and erosion Because what you want to do is plant your cover crops as soon as you get out of that field
0: mm-hmm.
2: As soon as you can if you're going to plant look and the reason won't... for
0: that is
2: well i mean you're wanting to get cover established gotcha. very quickly we have a short window between now and first frost i mean it's actually long in louisiana but from the standpoint of wanting to meet what we're wanting to do with cover crops you want as big a window as you can to get this cover crop to grow to get to the stage you want to be able to terminate it. but uh it, you know if you're planting corn next year corn behind corn or whatever rotation you're doing you want to plant the lagoons as early as you can. Cereals, you can plant them later. They're going to grow. And they're going to be a lot less, you know, there's going to be a lot less issues with freezes with a lot of like the cereal. Cereal rye uh, can t- tolerate minus 20 degrees. But you get in some of these clovers and some of these lagoons, then you can run into issues when you get around, you know, 20, 20 degrees or That's something like that. Too, yeah. So you want to get them established to establish some biomass there so that you know you'll have a standpoint understand that most of our growth takes place in the spring so when we get to the fact of termination that's when it's going to be critical to decide when you want to terminate
0: okay that's what i was getting to that part right there <laughs> so anybody else have any questions from mr no, james yeah well mr Sounds james we good. really appreciate you joining us here today and uh we'd love to have you back I Appreciate <laughs> it. Any time? The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU AgCenter Extension Service. For more information, visit thelsuagcenter.com or contact your local extension office.